You're live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Got a great show for you today. Of course, we'll be going open line later in the program, taking your calls and questions. We'll also be uh, talking about the latest in uh, vacuum technology. Let's come to that. Now we're, now we're talking vacuums because of all the technology inside these new vacuums. Stay tuned for that. Lots of uh, interesting stuff uh, in the news uh, this week. Uh, one that caught my attention, Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, over a billion users. They've now got something they're launching in the States uh, called a, a legacy contact. Uh, and this is kind of, uh, kind of a weird thing. I, I guess when you die, um, your loved ones can contact Facebook. They have to have proof of your death whether that's an obituary or death certificate or what have you. And then your your page turns to like a memorial page. Absolutely. Uh, so now in the U.S., they're, they're starting down there first. Uh, you can actually go into your security settings and designate a legacy contact, someone who when you die and Facebook turns your page into a memorial page uh, can go in and make a few changes. It, it seems the kind of thing that you would do when you're putting your will together. Because you're in that kind of mind state of what's going to happen after I pass away. And so now this is one of those added things that you would do to see that uh, your page becomes essentially a memorial. And you would designate the person that can manage that and to post on your behalf. So it's kind of like in the past, when someone passed away, you would visit their gravesite, say, on an anniversary. Yes. Now, maybe on their anniversary of their death, you would do the same on a memorial page on Facebook to pay your respects. But they wanted to make sure that you can assign someone to do that. And if I understand correctly, that person doesn't know until after you pass. Is that correct? That's right. They're notified by Facebook, essentially. So you've got two options uh, under this new program. You can either designate a legacy contact. Uh, For me, it's going to be Chad. (laughs) <laughs> on the controls? Con- on my control, yeah. Because <laughs> I, I know he'll outlive me by years. I and he'll answer, he's actually really techy too, so if people have tech questions for you <laughs> after you've passed away, <laughs> Chad will, will give the answers on your behalf. Yes. Just so, looking out for you. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> he uh, will also have uh, the power to change my profile picture and my cover picture as well, obviously to ones that are very flattering <laughs> yes. of me. And I'm sure you'll schedule those in advance. In your passing, well, I'll, I'll make sure that he knows <laughs> which ones to use, which ones uh, to use. But uh, if I have a falling out with Chad uh, in the future, and I just think, you know what, I just want all my stuff to be gone, I can also say in my security settings, delete everything when I die. Mm-hmm. So you're essentially erased from from history, from history, because if you're not on Facebook, you're history. Absolutely. Well, these days you are. So, what do you think? Are you going to? When it comes to Canada, are you going to designate a legacy contact? It's just kind of hard to think about. Just the thought about it, of, of thinking about um, your passing. Yeah. It's not the most comfortable thing to have a conversation with yourself about who should I assign. But that's why I think when you're putting your will together, this is the time that you would essentially... I, I wonder if they're going to use this for good or evil. Like, Think about this now. You go in there and you designate a legacy contact. Do you think on your Facebook page... You'll start seeing ads for like wills, like from yes, yes, I, uh, absolutely. But at the same time, Facebook doesn't want you to stop posting even if you die. So they want other people to keep posting for you because this uh, social network is all based on content. And if you're dead, 
you can't post content anymore, so they want to make sure someone else does it on your behalf. Is this crazy? It is, kind of, when you think about it. Yeah. It, it's funny that we're even having this kind of conversation about <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your digital afterlife and your legacy online. Yeah. No, but, but that's the kind of world that we live in now. Yeah. Well, speaking of digital memories, uh, another news story uh, this week, uh, something called Digital Rot. Uh, Vince Cerf, who we've actually had on the show before, he's one of the fathers of the internet, so to speak, pioneers of the internet, uh, one of the early developers of some of the technologies that make the internet work today. He's been writing uh, or, or saying that he's concerned about digital rot. Essentially, uh, your documents, your pictures and videos being unable to be read in the future. And this can come down to a few reasons why. Either A, the, um, the device that that thing needs to be played on. For example, old VHS tapes. The hardware. Yeah, the hardware may not be available 30, 40 years from now. Or the files themselves, if you've got digital files, uh, in the future, there won't be software or viewers able to open them. Yeah. Just because they're old. Likely a combination of the two, the yes. hardware and the software. And so what Vince Cerf, and he's kind of a big deal, he basically made the define on how those digital packets move across the internet yes. back in the 60s. What he's saying is that if we don't figure this out and we don't create these kind of open standards for files, what we could possibly experience is a digital dark age in the future where they've lost the ability to know what hardware and what software are required to, to open these files, which essentially creates what he calls bit rot, these files that you don't have access. You don't have the, either the hardware or the software to access that file. So it's, it's useless. So he wants this to change right now. And he's getting older now. He actually is the vice president for Google. Yeah. He's basically saying that we need to figure this out. We need to create open standards and do what he sees as digital snapshots of these are the files, these are the hardware we're using, and the software. And on each one, you can progress from one of these snapshots to the next. So that it's basically like an upgrade so that people in 3015 can go back and retrieve these files. But companies, if they don't open these, these file types, like the Word doc, if they don't do that, um, we might lose these files in the future. And that would be a, a dark age, essentially, what we saw in the past from about 1080 to the, the 1500s, the Renaissance. So what do you think? They, they didn't have VHS players back then, though. No, but we're... <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's interesting. So um, I think of... Remember VHS tapes, right? Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people actually, you know, made home movies and stuff on these tapes. Um, and now that I'm, you know, it's kind of been brought to my attention again, I'm thinking, I've got a few tapes still that I haven't really converted over to digital yet, and I should get going on that because those things deteriorate over time as well. And so the, the longer I leave them, the worse that quality could get. Absolutely. And just on a family level, when you pass and you pass this on to your kids and they pass it on to their grandkids, they're going to look at yeah, this thing and go, what, what the hell this? is this? What is this thing? This plastic thing. Yeah. And so that's the importance. And that's just on a family level. But imagine this on an entire humanity level. All the information that we are creating today, future generations need to be to access it. We, we still are translating stuff that we can find like tablets from, from the Greek era. And, but we can, that's a small amount of data compared to the amount of data we have today. And so for future generations, and Vince Cerf, he's thinking this is a big, big plan that he has. But he wants to create that because here's someone who created the internet. Now he wants to find a way to make sure that that information is always accessible. So, so those cat videos can live on for thousands of years. And, and they should.
because they're so creative. Thank God. <laughs> What's the contest this week, Annie? We've got a great contest. We're giving away the Vine Bendable Stand. Basically, it's a, a stand for your smartphone or your tablet that you can bend into different shapes to create the optimal one. It's great if you want a certain stand for when you're using your tablet in bed or if you're using it um, on the kitchen table or while you're cooking. You got to check it out. Go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. Just go on the contest page to enter and win the Vine Bendable Stand. When we come back from the break, we're going to be talking about vacuum technology. It's kind of uh, it's kind of fascinating, actually. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected, Mike and Andy here in studio. In a little while, we'll be going open line, taking your tech calls and questions. And, of course, we'll get the app of the week, the Valentine's app of the week. Oh, it's the theme later one. on. Yes. I know Christine. Usually, like, we don't know what the app is going to be, but... I would uh, bet the farm that it's a, a Valentine's Day one. Yes, and I know Christine's excited about this one. So uh, this uh, past week, uh, Andy and I actually traveled to New York uh, to look at some new uh, technology from Dyson, you know, the vacuum cleaner people. And it's actually quite fascinating. They uh, uh, have really uh, changed things in that whole industry uh, with um, their canisterless or their bagless uh, vacuums. It's all something they call cyclone technology. Yep. But they had uh, a lot of cool uh, new pieces out. Well, the, the problem with what they had that they realized with these upright vacuums, even the ones that use the cyclone technology, is that over time they lose suction. So they were like, can we develop a vacuum that never loses suction? And, and they figured out. And so basically the way that these vacuums, and I can't believe I now understand the technology in <laughs> vacuums. I never thought I would know what goes on inside there. But I think I have a, a good idea now. The first thing it does is it has to... And the head will use the suction to take off the dirt and all the particles from the carpet or the floor. And it sucks it into the vacuum. The second stage is they need to separate the dirt and the dust particles from the airflow. Otherwise, the same airflow would come out would be have dirt and dust in it. Yeah. So they have to separate it. And that's when they use what you mentioned, the cyclone technology or cyclonic technology, creating essentially a cyclone inside the chamber to se- make that separation. The dirt and dust basically just flings right out of the air, similar to how a dryer works with water. The water gets flinged off by the spinning cycle. Yeah. What what happens, though, is most vacuum, upright vacuums, can't spin fast enough to take the smallest particles of dirt and dust. And that's why they have filters, and these filters catch those small particles. So people have to replace the filter or clean the filter. Otherwise, the vacuum will lose suction. So they were trying to that like, gets all clogged up. It gets clogged up. And yeah. most people, and this is what they said, was most people don't uh, clean their filters or replace their filters enough. And so the performance. <laughs> I didn't know my vacuum had one. <laughs> exactly. And, and for a lot of people, yes, they yeah. don't realize that you have a filter that you need to clean. So they were wondering, can we make this better? Like That's typical dicing. Can we make a better design? And what they figured out was to find a way to spin it fast enough that even the smallest particles are separated from the airflow. But to meet certain standards, international standards, they still had to put HEPA filters into it. And they used a ball design so that the, the vacuum can pivot f- better than most other vacuums. That giant ball on them. The on the ball, vacuums. and that's what yeah. separates their design from most other uprights. But their filters never have to be, be replaced. They, that vacuum spins so fast that that dust gets separated from the airflow and there's not much going into those HEPA filters anyway, but they meet those uh, standards 
for like hours. So those HEPA filters last for the life of the vacuum. For the life of the vacuum. And the life of the vacuum will never lose suction. So it's going to suck just as much as it did the day you opened it and from like 10 or 15 years from now. And that was a great engineering uh, feat that they did. And they act, and it worked. And we even had you <laughs> clean, <laughs> clean the floor. <laughs> you did a good job. Uh, well, I'm, yeah. Years of training. If, if, if you go to our Get Connected Facebook page on Facebook, you can actually see a video of Mike uh, testing out this vacuum. And yeah, I was Cheerios, pretty impressed. Yeah, I was yeah. vacuuming Cheerios. Cheerios. But they also have, um, you know, the smaller upright ones mm-hmm. uh, that are battery powered, which I thought were cool. Yes, and those ones are really catered towards small condos and apartment buildings where you're trying to just clean a certain area of the floor. And it was fantastic, the amount of suction that even a small uh, upright vacuum that they have that's battery, that has a built-in battery, would work. But I think what really surprised us was they gave us a Dyson pen that was designed by the Dyson engineering team. Basically, they said... Or the, uh, the, the Sun. No, was it the Dyson engineering team? It was yeah, a Dyson, yep. yeah. It was the Dyson engineering team basically said, if we were going to reinvent the pen, what would we as the Dyson crazy engineering crew do? And so they had about 15 to 20 engineers working on this after hours and on the weekends to try to reinvent the pen. And we, we actually got a, um, a pen each. What did you think of it? That's, it's a nice looking pen. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. metal. It's, but they, they spent months redesigning this thing. They spent months. Yeah. And um, it, it, I guess it all stems from James Dyson, or sorry, Sir James Dyson. He's been knighted by the Queen. He's, um, he's an interesting character. He, he actually looks a lot like Tim Cook from Apple, almost identical. If you look at pictures on the Internet, it's hard to tell who's who. Um, but he's an engineer through and through. And so he spends most of his time, even to, to today, with his engineering team trying to figure out and solve problems. That's what he's really good at. Well, we also had a look at some of the, um, the heater that's right. Fans or heat, hot and cool fans, yeah. which was kind of interesting. These are fans, and they don't even look like fans. I can't even explain them. You'll have to check them out online. Uh, that can pump out an incredible amount of heat, uh, but actually distribute it through the room, unlike space heaters that just kind of lump it out. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> uh, but also during the summertime, can you know put out cool air as yeah. well. They were bladeless technology, yeah. so they they went and reinvented the fan as well. Yeah, so your kids and your pets won't get mushed up yeah and that's a problem that's been always a problem that people have had with fans and we've tried them out in our studio they work fantastic and they were really quiet and then they said the new version that they have is even quieter and yeah, over 70 percent quieter exactly which like I, you, I couldn't think how much quieter could you make these things you, you can barely hear there that the fans even on yeah but like like you mentioned they do that group so if you're just a one person inside a room you can have the fan blow right to you but if there's multiple people they have this technology where you just, on the control, can just switch it, and it disperses it evenly throughout the room. And they were doing all these different demonstrations of how it worked. And the fact that it can be hot and cold finally makes it like a worthy investment because the original fan that they had that just blew cool air was $400. I don't think many people are going to pay $400. Uh, well, it's, it was a pretty cool-looking fan. It was cool. Yeah. But the fact that it can also do hot now, it can yeah. be a heater and a fan. I think finally makes it something that people would want to get. Like Dyson's really like the Apple of kind of like home appliances and like vacuums, oh, vacuums and, yeah. and, and fans. The, the designs are just fantastic. And they even opened it up and we can see what was in the inside for, for the first time ever. And uh, it was just amazing technology inside these devices. And they were showing the robot as well. 
Yeah, this is interesting. I mean, we've seen robot vacuum cleaners with, you know, the Roomba. They've been out for a few years now. Um, they're they're pretty good. Um, I'm still waiting for them to really advance that technology. So uh, Dyson, they've actually got one that they're launching in Japan this year. Yeah, and the States. And the <clears throat> States. So we'll hopefully be seeing that later in 2015, maybe early 2016. But uh, a robotic vacuum cleaner that will, they say, be one of the best on the market. Yeah, and to do this, and it was funny, we were talking to one of the engineers, and he said, like, these other companies really understand the robotic side. He's like, but our, our whole uh, knowledge base is in vacuum technology, but we had to learn how to create a robot, essentially. And so that's what they spent all their R&D time doing. And this new robot, they, it's called the Dyson 360 iView. It's just going to be fabulous. They, they wouldn't show it, and I, was, and I asked him, I'm like, why do you have it in a glass case? We can't even touch it or look at it. He's like, that's the only one we have in North America right now. And the reason we're not showing you is that if this thing breaks, we're in a lot of trouble because this is the only one we have. <laughs> we're going to open up the phone lines now for the last half of the show, taking your tech calls and questions. We'll be your on-air tech support. If you need some buying advice, we can help you with that as well. Here are the numbers, 604-280-9898. Again, 604-280-9898. And if you're following long distance, we've got a toll-free number as well. It's one 877 Three nine 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 eight nine eight again one eight seven seven three nine 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 eight nine eight. When we come back from the break, we'll uh, take your tech calls and questions, and of course, uh, later on near the end, we'll also uh, get the app of the week as well. Rumored to be a Valentine's Day app that you don't want to miss. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. We'll be back shortly after this. You're live with Get Connected, Mike and Andy here. We've opened up the phone lines, taking your tech calls and questions on your tech support or uh, buying advice for gadgets. 604-280-9898. Long distance, 1-877-399-9898. We're going to jump here to Mark. How you doing, Mark? Good. How you doing? Good. What can we answer for you? Hey, I'm looking at uh, the potential of getting the Fitbit uh, Charge HR, which is the heart rate monitor. And I was just wondering what your opinion was on holding out until the Apple Watch gets released. Good question. Great question. Andy, you've uh, you've tried a bunch of these devices. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of becoming like Mr. Wearable because I'm I always know. trying all these. You, yeah. I'm afraid for you to pull your sleeve up. <laughs> no, I didn't wear anything today. Okay. Um, everything's charging. Yeah. I, I forgot. Yes, last night. Uh, great question. So the Apple Watch is going to come out and uh, it's going to have a heart rate monitor in it. Yeah. The On the Android side, they have other smartwatches that also have heart rate monitors built in. One of them that I use all the time is the Motorola Moto 360. Yes. Then there are others, wearables, that have heart rate monitors that aren't watches. Yeah. They're dedicated to like fitness and health tracking. Exactly. Yes. And then there are watches that also have heart rate monitors, and that's all it is, a watch and a heart rate monitor. Yeah. Um, Mio is a company, actually a company in Vancouver, they, they make one, and that's kind of really geared towards the, the high-intensity athlete. And what that does, it does one thing, and it does one thing very well, and that's measure your heart rate. And then from there, that information can go to your smartphone, it can go to your tablet, and you can kind of track it within uh, different running apps. The problem I'm seeing with these other types of wearables, these smart watches that also have the heart rate monitor, is they don't work as good as the dedicated ones because as soon as you turn that heart rate monitor on, the battery life goes down significantly. So what happens... Which is, which is tough because, you know, from what I'm hearing about the current watches out there, you'll be lucky if you get a day out of them, yes. really, of 
of constant use. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you put in the heart rate monitor into that mix as well, and you're going to get more issues about your battery life. The meal watch, that, that the one that comes out of Vancouver, the battery life on that one is pretty, pretty impressive for the fact that it does. You can turn the heart rate monitor on and off. And even if you have it on, it'll still last for a long, long time. But if you turn it off, we're talking like weeks. Like I use one when I run in the morning. Yeah. But I only charge it like once every two weeks, maybe really? three weeks. Okay. Because I turn the heart rate monitor off and I actually take the watch off and just leave it. We haven't tried the Fitbit though with the heart rate monitor on it yet. No, no. So we don't we know what the battery life is on No, that. but my suspicion is that, yeah, you're going to have to be concerned about what kind of battery life you'll get out of it. And if you're just looking for heart rate. Yeah. So, but what about the accuracy? Because I hear from a lot of people. Uh, that some of these multi-use devices, um, yeah. the accuracy's not up there. Not just accuracy, the latency. Okay. From what is your real heart rate at that time, and how long does it take for that watch to recognize it? And that's one issue I've seen with, with some of them, is that if you look at your heart rate, it's not really what it was. It's like what it was maybe five or ten seconds ago. Yeah. And you, as a, as, if you're doing high-performance sports, you want to get real-time indication of what your heart rate is yeah so i i would recommend going for the it's called the meal alpha and they have the alpha too now and they also have a wearable just like the fitbit that also has a heart rate on it that's not a watch i would check them out because that's the one i've tested the most and i've tested with other heart rate monitors the ones that they have in the gym like elliptical machines and treadmills and everything is really close, within one or two heartbeats. So that's the one I would personally recommend. It's called the. Have meal. you tried the polar ones that go around your chest? Well, I hear those. I hear those are the most accurate. But but nobody wants to wear that. It, it would be so much better if you could just wear a watch and just look at it like you're looking at the time, yeah, rather but, than have something. But I guess you know it comes down to battery life. Uh, obviously, convenience is one aspect, but yeah. accuracy and accuracy. Yeah. So you want to get the one that has the best technology. The Meal Alpha has been around for a couple of years now, and now they have newer versions, so you know that they're really fine-tuning the performance and the accuracy of their heart rates. And we, we don't know enough about the Apple Watch yet to know what the battery life's going to be like on it or yeah. the accuracy as well. Absolutely. I mean, it's an Apple product, so I'm, I'm sure they've put a lot of thought and attention into it. As, but it as is the first do. version of a new product. I'm excited to try it out. Well, yeah, and it's coming out at the end of March, I believe, or, or April. A- April, I hear. April. Is, yeah. So that'll be interesting, and that's really when the whole wearable category is going to take off. That's when we're going to see it as something serious because Apple's getting in the game. And when they Isn't get that in, funny? When Apple gets into something, it just... Then it becomes real. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Very interesting. So your recommendation, have a look at the Mio stuff? The Mio. It's M-I-O, and it's the Alpha 2. I would look at that, and you could always go online and go the Mio Alpha versus Fitbit and see what other uh, bloggers and reviewers have said about that as well. Jump here to Diana in Surrey. Hey, Diana. Oh, hi. Thank you very much. Yeah. At the beginning of the program, you were talking about images in old file formats. Yeah. And coincidentally, just yesterday, I was trying to open and view photographs from 1999. Okay. On um, They were holiday photos on a Kodak photo CD. Oh, I remember those. Those were awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but the problem is the file format is called PCD. Yes. And I phone shops in Vancouver, and they said nothing will open it. Like I have Lightroom, and it, and Photoshop won't open it. So I went on the web, and I downloaded a program. I paid too much money for it to begin with. Yeah. And I downloaded a program, and it'll only open, and I can only view eighteen photos out of a hundred. So I'm. One thing, should I ask 
for a full refund? Is that reasonable or partial refund? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I mean, if it's not doing it for you, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Try. I, I don't know if they will or not, but um, that's interesting. The, the Kodak Photo Disk. Yeah, remember that uh, that file format. Um, Andy, any thoughts on on programs right now that would uh, open that? In terms of programs that are available right now, it's, nothing's really coming to mind. The the thing about photos, and for other people out there, you want to make sure your photos are in the JPEG format. That one's probably going to be the standard for a long time coming. That's it's probably for, the safest. Yeah, but if I mean, if you're like a serious uh, photographer, y- yeah. you might not necessarily want it in that uh, format. Absolutely, but yeah. for the average person, I think that's the format that you would want to keep most of your photos. What I recommend is going to London Drugs, to the photo lab. Those guys are really good. They used to, they've been in the game for digital photos for a long time. So if anybody knows how to to find uh, the right software, or they might even be able to do it themselves, uh, I would go to them and see what their thoughts are on. I can't think of anything off the top of my head that is going uh, to to understand that format, especially something from 1999. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll do a bit of research. If any uh, listeners uh, have been able to open uh, those older ones, uh, definitely give us a call so that we can uh, share that with uh, Diana. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll take more calls. Again, the number six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs. Here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike and Andy here in studio. Shortly, we'll be uh, finding out what App of the Week is with Christina Stranova. We're taking your calls and questions right now. We're open line on Get Connected, 604-280-9898. Jump in here to Malcolm. Hey, Malcolm. Uh, good morning, guys. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, what do you think of the app? You were discussing the Apple Web TV, and will it work on BlackBerry Playbook? Apple Web TV. Yeah, the Apple Web TV or the the the, the new TV that you're getting from Apple. Uh, the oh, the web- uh, subscription service. So we talked about this last week. Um, uh, Apple potentially always always these rumors, right, Andy? Yeah. Potentially getting into the subscription TV service, much like your cable or satellite company. We've seen it with Sling TV down in the U.S. from uh, the Dish TV network. Uh, for 20 bucks a month, you can get uh, a bunch of channels, including ESPN and Home and Garden TV and some, some other stuff, uh, through your internet connection, yeah. through on your computer or your tablet or your uh, iPhone, for that matter. And so I think we'll start seeing more of those types of services over the next few years. Apple is being rumored right now uh, to be able to offer that uh, coming up sometime soon. Again, total rumors, but uh, wouldn't surprise me. Now, there, here's something that's not a rumor that's been confirmed. Netflix, believe it or not, Mike, is now available on Optic TV, on TELUS Optic TV. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? Yeah, so that that we know is, is true. Yeah. The, the whole Apple getting to the, to the whole uh, streaming side, uh, we don't know that. That hasn't been confirmed yet, but it would make sense, the fact that they do have Apple TV, and um, it would fit very well with iTunes as well. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll have to follow up on that, Malcolm, and see if that does happen in the future. But for the TELUS Optic TV subscribers out there, now you can get your Netflix through that. You know what? I think that's very forward-thinking of them. I know a lot of uh, cable companies are afraid to do that. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously, because they feel Netflix is a huge competitor. Uh, well, Rogers now Rogers has Show Me, yeah, and, and Bell Shaw. TV, and Shaw. Rogers yeah. and Shaw have Show Me. Uh, Bell has Crave TV. Yeah, I know Crave TV is available on Optic as well, from what I, I hear. Okay, and so so for Net or uh, for Telus, that makes a good sense to to see, allow people. Yeah, see, that is that is forward thinking. Mm-hmm. 
you know, obviously they understand that the world is changing, so they're still changing with it and offering those types of services. Well, basically, they're like, we know you're going to watch Netflix. Yeah. Now you can watch it through Optic TV, which yeah. which is a, a great from which, a consumer point. Which would probably keep a lot of people still on. Absolutely. I right? saw, I because thought that it's was... so easy to access. And Anyway, it's uh, But if Apple gets in the game, then what's going to happen? <laughs> we'll have to... Yeah, so I think what Malcolm's asking, you know, is it going to be available on other devices? Mm-hmm. Um, that's a good question. Um, will it just be available on their I... Apple TV and their iPhones and iPads, or will they make it available on the web? I doubt it. When Apple ever... Anytime Apple makes an event, like... Um, the new iPhone, and you want to watch it live, you have to watch it on a window, or sorry, an Apple device using Safari browser. Yeah. So I can't see why they would launch a streaming service and allow other. Yeah, they always like to tie the software in with the hardware. Yeah, in so, their in their little walled garden. So you're asking Malcolm will it play on Playbook, which is the uh, the BlackBerry tablet, tablet from about which is yeah, which is essentially dead now. Yeah, they're not making it anymore, but no. uh, they're, people still use it. It's yeah. uh, about two or three years old now. Good question. Don't know. Uh, most likely, you'll have to have some sort of Apple hardware for it. I'm going to jump here to uh, Ursula in Maple Ridge. Hi. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Listen, I've been blind for the last two years. Okay. Totally blind, okay? Yeah. So I decided I have a lot of time. I'm going to write my books. Yeah. So I wrote a book. It's coming out the end of August, but it's very difficult. I used the old cassette recorder with tapes. Yeah. And now I have somebody to take it down onto the computer, so you do the work twice, right? Yeah. So um, is there anything out there in this big world where I could use my voice and get it down onto the computer at the same time? Yeah, that's uh, an interesting question. Um, I, I'm not totally up on all the different uh, visually impaired uh, types of software programs out there. I know a lot of folks uh, in that that have that disability well, uh, use something called JAWS. Uh, it stands for Job Access with Speech. Uh, it's a popular Windows screen reader. I don't know if it'll actually let you dictate, but you know most um, operating systems now actually do let you dictate mm-hmm. right into uh, your your favorite programs. But there still is software available, dictation software available. Yeah. Dragon Dictation comes to mind. They've been in the game for a long time. Haven't tried it in, in a couple of years, but... Uh, Essentially, that is software that allows you to speak into a microphone, and it will transcribe everything that you're saying into text that you can later edit. And I think it reads it back to you as well, so you can check the accuracy of, of what it said. Um, but as, in terms of software for, for the blind, I think with Dragon Dictation, you still need to have access onto the computer. So you might need someone else's help to get it all set up and running. Uh, but we'll have to look into that for these uh, these types of softwares coming up next we are going to find out what the app of the week is with christina you're listening get connected brought to you by london drugs here on the chorus radio network back winter weather can severely impact the way we do business roads are closed flights get canceled people stay home sick so be prepared sign up for citrix go to meeting it makes it easy to meet and collaborate with your team and get work done from wherever you are no matter what the weather is like with GoToMeeting, you can hold a meeting whenever you need to. Anyone can join from a computer, tablet, or even a smartphone. You can share screens to make a presentation, collaborate on a project, review data in real time, and turn on your webcams for high-definition video conferencing. GoToMeeting gives you the power to be more productive and work smarter. We rely on GoToMeeting. My team is able to meet whenever we need to, whether I'm in Toronto, Vancouver, or even New York. 
I want you to sign up for GoToMeeting today. Try it free for 30 days. There's nothing to lose. Visit GoToMeeting.ca and click the Try It Free button. Do it now, and you can have your first meeting up and running in minutes. That's GoToMeeting.ca for your free 30-day. You're back with Get Connected, Mike Agarbo and Andy Barrar. It's that time of the week, app of the week with Christina Stoyanova in studio. Thanks for coming in. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to everyone. (laughs) Well, thank you. Uh, What's the app? So we have a Valentine's Day inspired app, as you might have guessed. This week we have an app called Fingle. Fingle. Yes. And it's for iPad only because you need a lot more real estate than you can get on your phone. So not available for your iPhone. And so what does Fingle do? So Fingal, um, the best way I can describe it is it's very reminiscent of Twister, um, but you play it with your fingers. Twister for fingers. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> um, basically, you play with another person, so you have a partner, um, and you get these uh, squares that you're supposed to put your fingers in, and then you have to drag them over to a target. So the sole purpose of this game is to cause you and your partner to touch so the movements get more complicated and make it more likely for you guys to have to touch hands so this would be a great app to get and take with you on your ipad to like a coffee shop or bar and get fingal if you're single essentially (laughs) You should write there on I marketing. Should, I should be in marketing yeah. or something. <laughs> yes. And like try to grab some random single girl or guy and get them to play fingle it's with like, you. Are, are you single? Because I want to fingle. <laughs> you know, I got to say <laughs> that I feel like the trick there would be getting anyone to agree to play this with you. Um, I think you have to be at, on some level comfortable with the person that you're playing Why with. Why do the fingers get pretty tangled? Yes. Yes. That is the goal. It gets more complicated as you advance through the levels. Um, and so there's more and more touching. And So for this weekend, go see Fifty Shades of Grey. And then bring, download Fingal. Bring your iPad <laughs> like and Fing- play Fingal. Fingal foreplay. That's Fingal, oh, Fingal foreplay. <laughs> yes. And the, this That's app hilarious. actually really sets the mood because it's got some... Um, some sexy music in the background. Like and Barry White in the got, background. Yeah. Maybe and I just want to fingle <laughs> with you all night long. Uh, and it's got that 70s uh, look and feel about it with the yellow and burnt orange colors. So, yeah. So you, over over candles, you can uh, get your fingle on with exactly, your significant Andy. other? Exactly. Oh, my God. This is hilarious. It's like twist. How much? Your... I mean, I would pay $50 for this. Oh, I'm sure of it. Um <laughs> You'll be happy to hear then. It's only two twenty nine on 229. the app store. Yeah. There really is an app for everything, isn't there? There is. Right? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll have to uh, have a look. And is it, it's just for iPads, not for Android tablets? No. Um, no, just for iOS tablets. Um, but like I said, you need the real estate, so you can't do it on the phone. You, you have to download it on an, an iPad. an iPhone 6 Plus? No. 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 It doesn't even show up in the app store, actually. I just tried it on my iPhone and it doesn't. Oh, really? Yeah. Just, just iPad only. Just iPad. Well, that's uh, Fingal for the iPad. 229 Such a steal. It is, totally. I mean, worth it if you want to get finger intimate with your finger. <laughs> well, it one. might be good for breaking the ice with someone new. Yeah. Fingal while you're single? 
Yep, that's that's Bingle my, if you're single. Yep, that's my tagline. <laughs> see if I can sell it to them. Thank you very much, Christina. The uh, contest again, Andy. This week we're giving away the Vine bendable tablet stand. It's a it's a stand that's can be uh, maneuvered to make make it into any type of stand. If you're kind of creative and you want to create your own iPad or or it's like Android, bendable. It is very bendable, and you can create a whole bunch of different designs. It's funny. It on, took me five minutes to make a stand. On their social I could, network. I couldn't figure out the damn thing. They have their own like Facebook pages and yeah. stuff, and so different customers are showing their, the creative designs. Like, yeah. Why didn't you tell me that before I... Because then not, you wouldn't do anything creative. You would I, rip well, someone I'm, else's I'm idea. I'm smart enough. I need, to, I need instructions. It, well, somebody created it as a stand for the back seat of the car when they're having road trips for the kids. Oh, that's a good idea. And, and the kids love it. Uh, You've yeah. got to check it out to see how this thing works. Go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. You'll see the contest there for the Vine Bendable Tablet Stand. Do you have one? I don't, but I've been using it in studio. And yeah. I'm, I'm pretty creative. I've, I've made some new Seriously, ones. Seriously, it took me five minutes before I can even make like caveman type stand that would barely hold the iPad. Well, you have to think outside the box, Mike. Okay. You're, but now that I know they have a Facebook page with actual pictures, that, that you can be inspired. I want to thank all the folks that helped put Get Connected together. Of course, uh, Chad, who will be my new legacy contact for when I die on Facebook. Thank you, Chad. Uh, also, Andy Brar, my co-host and producer, all the rest of the Get Connected team back at the office, and of course, uh, Christina, our app girl, for coming on down. This is Mike and Andy and Christina logging off. We'll see you again next week.